Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L.J. LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam. We are a belly-up sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, we got a very packed schedule of games today and quite a few very interesting things to talk about here. But first, how are you doing? Doing good, uh, and I can't wait to get into this uh, slate of games, especially this this first one, because uh, you know I can I can finally be be happy for at least a day when talking about my team. So, uh, yeah, let's get right into it. The Yankees and Twins, uh, game two of this series. Yankees took game one last night. And they come out swinging five runs in the first three innings. They get home runs from Aaron Judge in the first and Giancarlo Stanton in the third and Brett Gardner with an RBI double in the second. And uh, we're at five nothing after top three. Bottom three, though, Jorge Polanco puts the Twins on the board with a solo home run off of Garrett Cole, and it's 5-1. Top five, Giancarlo Stanton goes deep again for the Yankees. And then Miguel Andujar hits another home run. Uh, He's been high as a late. That's his fifth homer in eight games. And the Yankees take an eight-to-one lead after the Andujar homer. Bottom five, 
Miguel Sano goes deep off of Garrett Cole to make it 8-2. But that's all the Twins were able to really get off of Cole uh, as he went six innings tonight. The Yankees go on to win 9-6. to The reason why it was so close, uh, because the Yankees opt for Brooks Kriske, uh in the ninth inning. He allows four runs, including a home run to Jorge Polanco, uh, his second on the night. But nonetheless, the Yankees win 9-6. to The first time the Yankees win a game this year where the opposing team scores five or more runs, and it is on 6-9, and it is nine to six so nice i mean just what a great way to start off uh six nine uh for the to get a six to nine win on the first win of that criteria that i've been talking about but you can give the win to garrett cole uh seven wins now on the year six innings five hits two earned nine strikeouts for him allows two home runs the loss to Randy Dobnak, now one and six, four and two thirds, 11 hits, eight earned, three walks, and no strikeouts. Well, I think it's also fitting that they were able to break that on 6 9. Today, of course, we'll be, we'll be recapping the games from 6 9, June 9th. Yes. But we have quite a bit of interesting. I guess we could call it league news. It's league news that hasn't really like fleshed itself out yet. However, I went from completely not caring to very intrigued very quickly over the last day or so. And part of a large part of that has been because of how poorly Garrett Cole answered a simple media question the other day. And that's about the physical adjustments to the balls. I'm not really thinking about um, the correct wording for this. However, Brandon, let's talk about these balls. Um, of course, we've talked a lot about the fact that every every pitcher does it somewhere around 85 to 90%. But we're now starting to finally crack down on it. I don't know about you, but I've had a complete change of heart lately on this. And that's because earlier I had it phrased to me in a way that really hit home about how much this is and in my opinion is much closer to peds than the astros cheating scandal is from what they're what they're astros is 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 always going to be worse you can't like no the astros scandal what what they did is is always going to be it, it one of the worst and most egregious cheating systems ever i mean what they did was a travesty to the game really i mean i think i think it's fair to call it that it is i'm not i'm not not doubting that however from a actually rules of the game affecting the game standpoint this affects it far more because yes you know what pitch is coming however on the major league level you still have to hit that ball and it's not that easy to hit those balls, even the, a ball, even if you know it's coming from that, from that regard on the major league level. Whereas this, adjusting the surface of these balls using some form of be it pine tar or spider tack or whatever it is, the, the spider tack's the new big one here, we'll talk about it in a minute. But that is, that is creating a real 
a physical impact on the game in its play. Like as much as like it gave the, the sign stealing gave them better prep. They still had to go out and execute on the, on the field. Whereas this was directly affecting the execution. Now where these two things deviate is the widespreadness. The, the, what the Astros did was never, and even the PEDs, was never at the same widespread effect as this is. Like, that's, that's what separates the Astros from it. I mean, I'm, I'm talking purely on an in-game basis in how it might be closer to PEDs than it is to the Astros. The Astros, nobody else was doing it to this extent. Whereas in this case, everyone's doing it to this extent. But does that really make it right? Does that make it right to the hitters? Just because every pitcher is on the same playing field because they're all cheating doesn't mean that it's right to put the hitters on, on a lesser playing field. No. And, you know, I think the big problem with this thing all along has been, look, the the hitters and everyone everyone knows, of course, there's, there's already stuff that the MLB gives the pitchers to be able to to a grip onto the ball they they give you rosin you can use sunscreen you can legally mix those two and they can't do anything about it and it's incredibly sticky now does it increase spin rate no so do players use it no no players lj they basically figured out like it's like they were in like labs basically. And they're like, if we use a little bit of this substance, a little bit of this substance, we can concoct this substance that just allows the spin rate on our ball to go, to go crazy. I mean, sure. I think it was Troy Percival who was talking about it. And if you don't know who he is, he, he used to pitch for the Los Angeles angels in the mid two thousands. He said, yeah, you know, we, we had, sticky stuff and we we used it all our career but we weren't scientists in a lab cooking up this substance or whatever it is to increase yeah. our, our spin rate like they had no idea what spin rate was they were just using it to grip the ball but now that these guys are are using stuff that just is is, is making the ball do crazy crazy things i mean it's it's about time that they that, that they put a stop to it. Uh, as for the way that that Garrett Cole yeah. answered this this press question, I don't mind questions. me doing my my best impression of how he answered it. So you can ask the question to me, and I'll I will do my best to uh, give yeah. a fair reaction. Oh, if they, I I'm not might not have it word for word, but I believe it was something along the lines of, "Have you ever used spider tack?" Actually, time out before we get into this. Um, we should probably define this. Spider tack is a substance, of course, used for moving, loading atlas stones. So this is like competitive weightlifting equipment and sticky stuff that they're using. Here I'm on their Amazon description. Spider tack competition grade is tacky for loading atlas stones. It is the stickiest tacky on the market. It maintains its stickiness in cold and heat better than all other tackies. It goes on easy and will improve your stone loading performance. And it's about $20 for two and a half ounces. 
You can get it on Amazon. So, I mean, this stuff is pretty easy. This is the commonplace stuff now, I guess. And it's pretty easy to get. So the guy asks him, have you ever used spider tech before in your career? Uh, uh, I don't know how, how to answer that question. Is that about right? Did I close? Did... However, you didn't get enough us in there. Actually, I ha- I was listening to um, Outkick the coverage earlier, who honestly did a hilarious job of that. Um, and one of the quotes I'm going to give from that is later. They counted nine separate us in there, and basically every word he said was separated by an uh. So it was like I uh. I and then add the second word. Uh, I don't know how to answer that. How do you not know how to answer that? Is the, is okay, there, is here, no, here's the problem with it, LJ. You are the New York Yankees. You are a huge organization. Like you are more than a baseball team at this point. Like all these, all these teams you are the, the are highest value sports franchise in the world yeah like one of the more valuable entertainment commodities in the entire world you have a huge pr department to make sure that you do not get painted in a negative light in the public in the media you see that this is one of the biggest stories that is going to take over the entire 20 with 21 mlb season i mean this is going to be the story of the season here this is a hot topic right now. Sports Illustrated is making their covers about it. I mean, this is a big deal. And no one in the organization thought like, you know, maybe we should like come up with an organizational just like BS answer just so that we don't look like this. I mean, this yeah. is a PR meltdown. I mean, this is an atrocious PR gap for the Yankees and Garrett Cole. Like, there's no way that no one, like, should have gave him a heads up or, you know, like, oh, you know, if they ask you about it, just, you know, you're allowed to lie. Like, if Garrett Cole says yes, or if he just completely dodges the question, which there's a million ways to to do that, they're not going to suspend Garrett Cole for, like, even insinuating that he's ever used it. They're literally giving everyone a free pass right now. Like the MLB literally said, okay, at the start of the year, you can get a free pass. And now we're going to start cracking down on it. Plus you've got a free pass for the last 20 years of them doing it. like this, yeah. this whole thing is just so simple. Yeah. It's, I, I just don't. With, I, with I don't that think. being said, you don't want to be the first to admit. Because no, but, no, but the, there's the, already the, been a million the, guys. Trevor Bauer completely exposed this thing seven years ago, said exactly what people were doing, and no one cared. Yeah, but I think there's difference both of time there and the light that he was doing it. He was doing it to expose. He wasn't admitting his own like the 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 tone of which he did it wasn't him admitting it as much as it was him saying, Hey, this is what everyone does. Uh, and so I think with with the current climate, the first person to admit it and the first person to be suspended are going to have disastrous hits to their reputation. But yeah, I mean, honestly, this is, it should be impossible with how big a story this is quickly becoming and the fact that 
so many people took notice to the decrease in spin rate on Garrett Cole's last start before this. Like, so many people noticed that. How did they not think he was going to get asked about it at some point? Well, yeah, so not only that. So uh, Garrett Cole, Trevor Bauer, uh, a couple of – actually, a bunch of the Astros pitchers. Uh, we can get the spin rate data from their starts, of course, and significantly down their last start. They made, I don't know about Cole tonight, uh, but their spin rates were down, and Trevor Bauer got asked about it in a press conference and so after the game the person asked if they go so you know your spin rate was down so and so percent and he's like you know the yeah, the league is cracking down on substance substances and like yeah obviously like everyone used it like i have used it before so they're like okay well like how do we know that you're going to be able so this is what a reporter asked and they said well how do we know that you're going to be able to keep putting up the same uh, numbers without the substance and he said well look at my numbers in 2018 <laughs> by saying that he's he's telling us that he used it in 2017 he used it in 2019 he used it in 2020 and now he's not using it anymore like there's clearly he's he's telling everyone i used it i mean he literally came out on twitter and said that he used it for an inning yeah. And you can and you can see in 20 and the start that he did in 2018, just clear jump up. Like, I, I don't know. It's just I, I, I'm going to be really interested to see how this ends up playing out in the MLB's hand, because especially with the CBA coming up, like, is this going to be a part of the CBA where it's like you can use this substance, but you can't use no. this? Like, honestly, like, I think what are they going to do? I think at this point. This should be the the more I think about it, the least negotiable part of the CBA. And I think you go into this, and this could even be just some momentum for the league at this point. I think you need to go in and you need to crack down on this hard now and just get a ton of guys early on, make sure people understand these consequences and can do it consistently throughout the year as well, because Brandon, if you think about it, if we get this out of the game, a lot of the issues that we've been complaining about are gone. If guys aren't completely guessing where the ball is going to go, like if they're just not, if they're not, they're not guessing what pitch it's going to be and where this pitch should go, depending on what substance is being used, you should have no issue. Oh no, the offense in the the second half of the season is about to be insane. Like, yeah, we're but, we're gonna but, look at the first half and second half offensive numbers, and for the twenty twenty one season, and every single team is gonna have a jump off. Like the the offense for the league is about to shift in the span of two weeks. Like it's it's. I understand. Crazy. I understand and feel for the fact that these pitchers' numbers are going to increase a lot, and that's not gonna look great for their contract time. However, with that being said, I forgot where I was going with that. Oh, like a lot of the issues that we have with the league right now are going to be alleviated with this. You know, just having the contact up is going to make so many more interesting scenarios and make teams see that some of the old style baseball 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts. It's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Strategies can still be employed effectively. You can hit and run if the guy has a decent shot at making contact. So overall, I think a higher contact league is only going to help the game, make it more exciting, and bring people back to it. If you do not get this out of the game, the more I think about it, if you can have this big an opportunity to change the way or the momentum of the game and change the style of play for the positive, you have to go and do it. You can't dance around that. But I'm just, honestly, I got to tell you, though, I'm excited for this new uh, movie that Garrett Cole is going to be in. Oh, boy. You know which one I'm talking about, right? The Marvel movie? spider Tack, No Way Home? (laughs) Yeah. uh, Garrett Cole Cole is saving New York City one pitch at a time. He is spider Tack. You know... I have to wonder, so, you know, whether the MLB says, okay, now umps are allowed to go out to the mound and check a pitcher whenever. Like, who's going to be the asshole ump that is just, like, always checking pitchers? Joe West. Yeah, is, like, Joe West going to make it his <laughs> job? It's that easy. He's going to be the substance, like, KGB. He's the substance KGB. No, 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 no. Joe West is the green goblin to spider tack to uh, Garrett Cole's spider tack. No, but just I I imagine Joe West, it's like an 18 to 2 game. Some position player comes in in the ninth inning and he's like, all right, yo, I gotta see your glove. Like, let me see the hat. Let me see the glove. Williams Ostadio gets thrown out and suspended for 10 games for using. He made another pitching appearance the other day. He's pitched like four times this year. He's like how actually close is he eating being... He's like actually eating innings for the Twins. He's got to be close to getting qualified now, right? <laughs> yeah, you know. That's crazy. Um, one more thing I wanted to bring up on this regard were the accusations that Pete Alonzo made earlier. Did you see anything about this, Brandon? Oh, uh, prior to you bringing this up actually one quick thing uh yeah josh donaldson can suck it uh he talked all this crap about garrett cole and then and then went over five and struck out twice uh, to garrett cole tonight so uh, you can't take down spider tack yeah uh, clearly you know josh donaldson trying to come out and say essentially that they uh, garrett cole is only good 
with his spider tack. Uh, seeing him strike out twice tonight really made me happy. And LJ, I know you were not on uh, a, a big fan of, of Donaldson's as of late. So uh, pretty interesting to see him get a taste of his own medicine tonight. Brandon, with great pitching comes great responsibility. <laughs> yes. But anywho, we have this whole Pete Alonzo thing. Pete Alonzo does not seem to be um, very happy with the league starting to crack down on these substances. He says, quote, since the start of the game, pitchers have been using substances. There is rosin bag behind the mound to help guys dry off their hand and grip. To me, whether they are using pine tar, rosin, bullfrog, or sunscreen and rosin or whatever they want to use to control the ball, let them use it. What the hell is bullfrog? No, it's called it's called a bullfrog sunscreen. It's like a type oh. of sunscreen. And then, but the thing he uh, goes on later, and I, I granted it's kind of conspiracy theory. However, like it wouldn't shock me here is this. I think the biggest concern is Major League Baseball manipulates the ball year in and year out, depending on, depending on the free agency class or guys being in an advanced part of their arbitration. So I do think that's a, the big issue. The ball being different every single year in other sports, the ball is the same, like basketball, football, tennis, golf. The ball is the same. So he's not wrong about that. Like he's no, not he's wrong. Not. But like the audacity to say it, like I don't know why you would like want all the all like the crazy substances as a hitter. Like I can see a like you being okay with you know, the stuff that's not affecting spin rate, but I think that I realize it's going to be like easier for him to hit now. Like, I think some of them are just overly paranoid about hitting, getting hit in the face. I mean, to, to be fair, he just had to watch Kevin Pillar get yeah. jacked up by a baseball this year. But yeah. like, I mean, that's like, that's, that's a very loaded statement right now after coming off of the whole, well, the fact that they own Rawlings, the fact that we're coming off the whole juiced ball thing and the fact that you had guys make like these very sudden rises into fame. Like, I mean, I don't mean to pass any judgment on our guy here, but Tony Rendon, I mean, Anthony Rendon was not a household name until that world series run until he ended up with a 158 OPS plus that year coming up from 137, 139 the years before. I'm not saying he wasn't a good player. I'm just saying he almost had um, 100, a 100 increase in his OPS during that final year of his contract. And he was the main ticket in that free agent class. So that's a very interesting case study i think if if people really do start to think hey maybe major league baseball is trying to keep each of these off seasons entertaining by juicing the ball up when they need to make sure that they have a good star to talk about like that's going to be an interesting case study yeah uh i'm gonna make a point really quick and then uh we'll keep going for the recaps but uh i think that that claim that the MLB does want to sort of manipulate the offseason. I think that it's true because you look at sports like the NBA and the NFL where 
the off season is almost as interesting, if not more interesting than the actual season. I mean, we're seeing in the NBA now, free agency is the most important part of the entire season. Yeah. Other than the playoffs, free agency in the NBA is literally like that's how championships are being handed out now like the last six years that the last six nba championships i'm gonna assume the nets win this year uh if if the nets win this year it's like the last six nba championships are all because guys just wanted to team up in free agency the mlb seeing that these other sports like make such an industry off of the offseason they want to capitalize on some of that too because free agency has never been a big thing in the MLB. It never was until they started giving out the big contracts. And now it is. But yeah, them toying with the ball is certainly like it's a, it's a scary thing, especially if you're a player because you don't know if these balls are going to be able to get hit harder if you're going to be able if, if your stats are going to dramatically increase or or decrease just because of the ball so I don't yeah. know it's it's very strange to me that the MLB like we always talk about just how much control they have over the production of their own baseball and how they essentially lost control of it because they don't they don't know what to do with it they completely unjuiced it this year and again this yeah they have lost control but this is so much worse than the ways that the other leagues go about it. The NBA and the NFL, they go about driving interest in their free agents and into their off seasons. They go about that by having a vice grip on the media. The NFL and NBA own ESPN collectively. Like the two of them, they dominate just about all of their coverage in the NFL if it isn't ESPN doing their own like overly dramatic, like selling people on product rather than reporting what's actually going on, it's because somebody has been arrested again in the NFL. But I mean, they're doing it through that way, which is at least like, they're not affecting the way the game is played. Like the games are getting played to our knowledge without any interference. They're just selling these narratives in the media the ones that they want. But this would be like, if they were literally, if this was what they were actually intentionally trying to do, that would mean that they're completely screwing with the way that the game is played. Well, yeah, I mean, which I I think they've already screwed with the way the game was played when there's just been so many different eras of this league where they've been fine with some sort of like not fair playing field. I mean, basically from the eighties, when they, when all the owners chose to just not sign each other's uh, free agents. So that way they would could pay their own guys less money and just completely colluded against the players, not letting them switch teams for for uh the sake of of getting paid more they shut down the idea of free agency like and then you move into the steroid era and now we have this banned substance era or whatever we're going to call it we have the astros part like so much of the league history now is tarnished because 
the league just let it get out of control and they they let they it just they, they put like, it out of control no it it just seems like that they're late on everything like everything that's happened in the league that has made it an unfair playing field they're always late to combat it like it's too late like mm. especially with the steroid era they didn't start like getting those guys in trouble and, and suspending them until they were basically out of the league like bonds never got a steroid suspension they didn't know what they didn't know what they were looking at at that point though i i I will give them a pass to an extent on the steroid stuff but everything else they should have had a bit good grip on like the the whole steroid thing and what was actually going on there was a novelty at the time pitch pitching substances aren't a novelty Sign stealing isn't a novelty. Shady front front office dealings are not a novelty. This is all stuff that they should have had in their heads and understood how to deal with and have not done correctly. But looking at this schedule, though, before we move into the next recap, um, it looks like spider spider tack is going to be far from home for a while. Yeah, I mean, spider tack's homecoming isn't going to be until next Friday against the A's. Do you feel comfortable with that long uh, road stretch? I mean, I know you're playing the Twins, so you got to feel pretty good. I, I wish, the, as a Yankees fan, you know, it's it's been a frustrating last two weeks. I just want to play the Twins every night because just these games, the offense is doing something. Like we have a combined, I think, 30 hits in these two games so far. And it's just like we haven't had 30 hits in a week. So, I mean, I'm... Twins, Twins Pirates, Rangers, who says no? <laughs> yeah i don't know i am very happy that we get to play the twins for uh, for one more night at least but if you only got that schedule you know what you'd see what's that ultimate spider tech all right let's move on into this astros red sox game you know it's it, it's more it's more of exactly what i was expecting at this point like i feel like at this point i'm kind of resigned to my fate with this astros team Red Sox got scoring open in the bottom of the first. Danny Santana gets on and ends up scoring off of a Xander Bogart's sack fly. Hunter Renfro later singles to drive in Rafael Devers and make this a 2-0 ball game. Miles Straw drove a run in in the second, and then all of a sudden we get to the top of the third, and Nathan Ivaldi implodes. We get a Jose Altuve home run which drives in another, that was a solo shot. You then get a Jordan Alvarez double scores, guys. You've got a ground rule double, which was like, you know, it, it was a it was a suspect one, you know, one of those that like Renfro is barely able to not get there. It goes to the short part of right field and a fan kind of grabs it where Renfro could have played it. it. Yeah. And then Michael Brantley singles driving in the fifth run. It's a 5-2 game. Also in there, an egregious miss by Kike Hernandez. I'm surprised he didn't get caught for the error there, but it was the, it was a, it was kind of a bizarre play. Cause like Renfro was still moving over, but like he was like under it, except just like half inch to the right. And then just completely just like, didn't keep going and just stuck his hand behind him. It, it, it aggravates me. But in the bottom of the fourth, you get Xander Bogart's solo home run, his second RBI of the game. 
but the Red Sox couldn't score after that as Miles Straw and Alex Bregman would drive in runs and route to an 8-3 Astros win. Give the win to Jake Odorizzi. He went five innings, allowing three earned runs and six strikeouts. The loss goes to Nathan Eovaldi. He went five and two-thirds, allowing 11 hits, five earned runs, and five strikeouts. Yeah. All oh, right. the save goes to Christian Javier with the four-out save. Or four-inning right. Four-inning save? Yeah, that, 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 there's there's quite a big difference there, I know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he went four he went four innings after Odorizzi went five to close out the game. All right. Well, on to the Rangers and the Giants. We're scoreless until the top of the fifth when the Giants get two solo home runs from Jason Vossler and Chadwick Trump. Bottom six. The Rangers get on the board with an Isaiah Kiner Falefa ground out, uh, and that makes it two to one. San Francisco leading. Bottom nine, Adalis Garcia with a single uh, that scores a run to tie the game. Uh, it ends up getting upheld uh, as Garcia slides into second and pretty weird slide i was watching this game the end of this game on mlb network at least that part um and slides into second base kind of an awkward slide uh ends up getting tagged so he was safe but then he slid over the bag and slid off of it and they kept the tag on him so he ended up being out but nonetheless singles home the game tying run and sends it to extras top 10 Austin Slater hits into a double play, but it scores a run. Uh, so the Giants have a 3-2 lead. But in the bottom of the 10th, Nate Lowe with a sack fly to tie it up. And uh, we're going to the 11th. After failing to do anything in the top part of the inning, uh, the Rangers in the bottom half are able to get it done. Brock Holt with the walk-off RBI single. And Texas wins 4-3. to three. You can give the win to Brett Martin out of the bullpen. Kyle Gibson, who had the start for Texas, six innings, four hits, two earned, five strikeouts. The loss goes to Jake McGee. Uh, he went two-thirds of an inning and allows that game-winning hit from Holt. Got to love, and you, of course, forgot to mention there, um, MLB Daily Hall of Fame nominee Brock Holt. Absolutely. Big card Brock. All right. When was the last time we did a nomination? I think we missed I I think we missed it this week. We missed it this week. Um also we, by the way, I don't think doing one per week, like there's 30 teams. We there's not 30 weeks in the season. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. 
That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with Alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design. No, what we were going to do, I, I did have this mapped out. I don't, Are we going I, all I, the way through the playoffs? Um, Basically, what the plan was was we were going to go into like the playoffs it basically would have rounded out to the very end of like the beginning of the playoffs end of the season for nominations and then we'd narrow it down in those like three weeks got it okay well that's still that's still a reasonable goal then okay we can add it in i think we're going to start um also kind of surprise for Brandon. surprise we're going to start breaking down these divisions in the coming days as well as we start to line up some guests to come in and talk to us about that i just have to settle down on a time in the next couple of days with brad chandler from the pesky report to talk about the al east that should be a fun one because we really all have a good idea of what's going on there but cubs padres the padres opened up scoring here with a manny machado rbi single in the bottom of the third but the top of the fourth Jock Peterson sends a big fly to right center field to the tune of one run. Anthony Rizzo is able to drive in the go-ahead run in the top of the seventh. And then Sergio Alcantara homers in the eighth, his first homer of the year, to make this a 3-1 Cubs win. Give the win to Rex Brothers. He went one inning in relief after Jake Arrieta went five innings, allowing four hits, one earned run, and six strikeouts. The loss goes to Yu Darvish, the bad beat of the day. He goes seven innings, allowing two earned runs, eight strikeouts. The save goes to Craig Kimbrell, his 15th. All right, athletics and Diamondbacks. Not a lot going on in this game. Bottom three. Uh, I mean, it's A's and the Diamondbacks. What are you really expecting? That's like the least yeah, sexy no, matchup of the year. It's like the two most, it's the two franchises that people know the least about. Uh, historically, I couldn't tell you when either of these teams like were created. They just kind of showed up in the MLB. <laughs> like they just, <laughs> these are the two franchises where if, if you were to ask me like to name like Who's their who's their the the greatest player in their franchise's history? I would have to think for a minute. I mean, I guess Oakland's not that hard because like because like Ricky Henderson, but yeah, Diamondbacks. I, I can't they, name the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, yeah, Oakland, are they like the they're like the red wedding? If you had to make them a movie, they're wedding crashers. Yeah. <laughs> Bottom two, Oakland scores three runs. They get a two-run triple from mark canna uh it was a really dumb play the the diamondbacks challenged as to whether or not it was a catch or not by tell Marte. they end up calling it not a catch uh and a triple and that scores two jed lowry then singles home the third run in that inning the Diamondbacks aren't able to do anything on offense. Oakland gets a sack fly in the seventh, and they win it 4 nothing. The win is Sean Manaya, six innings, two hits, no earn, three strikeouts, now five and two on the year. The loss to Brad Peacock, 
or Matt Peacock, excuse me, got the start for Arizona. One and two thirds innings, three hits, three runs, three walks. Uh, LJ, do we want to talk about Arizona? Uh, we'll save it. Yeah, we'll save it. All right. Next up, we got the Braves and the Phillies here. And scoring won't start to the top of the sixth when William Contreras singles into center field, which scores Dansby Swanson and makes this a one nothing Atlanta lead. This score would hold until the bottom of the ninth, where Luke Williams, rookie of USA Olympic qualifier team fame, he played left field and led off for the qualifying team in the America's qualifier just last week, ends up getting the call up to the show today. This is his first game, and this is his first career home run. A line drive goes out of the park in left field. He walks it off as Andrew McCutcheon also comes in to score. The Phillies win this one 2-1. to one. Give the win to Suarez out of Philadelphia. He went three innings in relief after Zach Eflin went Six innings, allowing one earned run and seven strikeouts. The loss goes to Will Smith, his first blown save. No, that's not it. Um, yeah, first blown save of the year. And this game was started by Davidson for Atlanta. He went six innings, shut out with four strikeouts. That's Tucker Davidson. All right, on to the Mets and the Orioles. This game... Uh, got out of hand fairly quickly. Pete Alonzo with a two-run bomb, top one, and then top three, the Mets get uh, five runs thanks to singles from James McCann and Billy McKinney, and then a Kevin Pillar homer. It's 7-1 Mets after three. Uh, they pile it on in the later innings, getting home runs from a Billy McKinney, Kevin Pillar, Mason Williams, a Pete Alonzo double, and then another Billy McKinney homer. The Mets win 14-1. to one. Give the win to Taiwan Walker, now 5-2 and two on the year. Seven innings, five hits, one earned, nine strikeouts. Season ERA down to 2.07, proving to be a very nice free agent acquisition for the Mets indeed. The loss to Matt Harvey, now 3-7. and seven. Three innings, eight hits, seven earned, two strikeouts. Uh, I believe if I read the stat correctly on ESPN that just scrolled across, uh, Matt Harvey started against the Mets twice in his career and has now allowed a, a total of 15 earned runs. So Oof. not ideal. No bueno. How many was that today? Seven today. Oh, dear. That's, yeah. Next up, we got the Dodgers and the Pirates. And this one was really largely about Justin Turner here. He goes yard in the first and the third. Of course, those were not obviously his first two ABs of the game. He could not put it out for that third time for the elusive Bingo Bango Yahtzee Supreme. But they will still go on to win at a score of two to one here. Give the win to Vincent Gonzalez. He went one and a third after Tony Gonsolin got the start going one and two thirds. The loss goes to Tyler Anderson. He went six innings on two earned runs. And the save to Kenley Jansen 
he, he this is his 14th of the year with a spectacular catch at the mound in that ninth inning. All right. Uh, on to the Mariners and the Tigers. The Tigers scored three runs in the first five innings, uh, thanks to a Jake Rogers homer and Robbie Grossman single. They then uh, the game gets tied in the top of the sixth. Kyle Seeger with a home run to make it three to three. Top ten. Now we jump to uh, game remained tied at three through the ninth. Uh, J.P. Crawford singles, and the Mariners take the lead. But then bottom 10, two outs, and the Mariners throw a wild pitch that scores the tying run with two outs in extra innings. And we go to the 11, where top 11, Seattle scores five runs to make up for that terrible wild pitch. They get singles from Jake Fraley and a Dylan Thomas and then a Tom Murphy double. Uh, and then a Robbie Grossman homer in the bottom of the inning uh, certainly put some runs up for the Tigers, but nonetheless, they lose nine to six. Nice. Uh, nice. The win, the win and the blown save goes to JT Chargois. Sure, we'll go with that. The loss to Daniel Norris. One inning, three hits, four earned uh, in extra innings. Uh, not a great start, or not a great outing from him. Now, all right, next up, we got the Rockies and the Marlins. Scoring starts in the top of the first with a Charlie Blackman RBI single. Jonathan Diaz drives in a run in the third, and then the fifth, Colorado adds to their lead 3-0 with a Ramal Tapia score on a passed ball. Jazz Chisholm and Adam Duvall tried their best to get the team back in the game with an RBI single and a home run, respectively. That'll be Adam Duvall's 10th home run of the year. They ultimately will fall to the Rockies at a score of 4-3, thanks to Connor Joe's RBI in the top of the sixth. Give the win to Austin Gomer. He went five innings, allowing one earned run and five strikeouts. The loss goes to Braxton Garrett. He went four innings, allowing two earned runs and three strikeouts. Give the save to Daniel Bard, his eighth on the year. All right. Nats and Rays. Uh, five runs scored across uh Scored in the first inning across both sides. Juan Soto with a solo, with a two-run home run. Uh, and then in the bottom of the inning, it was Randy Arozarena with a two-run single. And then Mike Brasso with a sack fly. The Rays take a 3-2 to two lead after one. Ryan Zimmerman then steps up in the third and fifth inning and goes yard both times uh, to give the Nats a 5-3 lead. But Taylor Walls and Joey Wendell tie the game up with homers off of the Nats bullpen in the seventh and eighth innings. And we are tied at five, and we're going to extras. Top 10, Jan Gomes with an RBI single to make it 6-5, and then Kyle Schwarber with a sack fly. The Nationals have a two-run lead going into the bottom of the 10th, 
all they have to do is not allow to. Oh my God, Randy Arozarena triple that scores a run. All right, you're still up one. You just cannot allow another. Oh, Joey Wendell RBI single, and we're going to the eleventh inning. Top eleven, the Nats get two runs from a Starling Castro double and Josh Harrison sack fly, and they win. So they they go through all this bullpen trouble in the seventh, eighth, and tenth innings, only to to pull out a nine seven win. It all works out in the end. Brad Hand with the win, now three and two on the year. Uh, Patrick Corbin got the start, five innings, three hits, three earned. You can give the loss to Diego Castillo and Shane McClanahan got the start for Tampa Bay. Three innings, five hits, three earned, four strikeouts. Next up, we got the Reds and the Brewers. And this was not a fun first inning for Vladimir Gutierrez as he allows two runners on base while facing Nomar Omar Narvaez. In this inning, he ends up balking a runner home to make this a one nothing game. But fear not, as the Cincinnati Reds, the big red contraption, came to play. Tyler Stevenson and Joey Votto both drive in runs in the bottom of the first. Next came the bottom of the second, where Jonathan India and Nick Castellanos chipped in. And then by the bottom of the fourth, with a Tyler Stevenson RBI double, Cincinnati found themselves at a 7-1 lead. The Brewers did tack on a few more runs, but they ultimately fall to Cincinnati 7-3. Give the win to Vladimir Gutierrez. He went seven innings, allowing two earned runs and seven strikeouts. The loss goes to Brett Anderson. He went three innings, allowing four earned runs and no strikeouts. All right, Blue Jays and White Sox. Uh, Chicago scores a run in the first on a Yohan Mankata RBI single, only uh, for it to be tied top two with a Randall Gritchett home run, his 13th of the year. Uh, he's been having a really good season, really up there in the RBI numbers. Uh, bottom five, Nick Madrigal with an RBI double to give the White Sox now a 2-1 lead a lead that would then be tied back up in the eighth inning by Toronto with a Vladdy Jr. bases loaded walk to make it 2-2. Then Teoscar Hernandez steps up, hits into a force out, uh, but there's then a throwing error by Tim Anderson that allows another run to score, and so they net two from that play. Toronto takes a 4-2 lead. In the ninth, they add on. Two more runs thanks to a Rowdy Tellez single and then another throwing error that allowed him to advance. Uh, and then uh, we have a third error that allows a run to score for the, for the White Sox on a force out. So just completely awful, terrible, whatever adjective you'd like to use, uh, night for the White Sox and defensively they make four errors and lose this one six to two. Give the win to Tyler Chatwood out of the Toronto bullpen. Alex Manoa got the start, five innings, four hits, one earned, four Ks. The loss to Aaron Bummer 
who is now 0-4 and gets his fifth blown save on the year. Lance Lynn, who had a fantastic start tonight, LJ, gets a no decision. Seven innings, four hits, one earned, nine strikeouts to no walks, lowers the season ERA to 1.23. Oof. Move next, we got the Indians and the Cardinals here. The Indians managed to get two runs on the board early with a big first inning where we saw an Eddie Rosario RBI double and then a sack fly by Harold Ramirez, both score runs. But St. Louis manages to get four in the bottom of the first and then in the bottom of the third, bam, Tyler O'Neill goes yard. Bottom of the seventh, bam, Paul Goldschmidt hits his eighth and bam, Tyler O'Neill goes yard once again, hitting his 14th and 15th home runs of the season out in this game. St. Louis stops the skid with an 8-2 route over of the Cleveland Indians. Give the win to Adam Wainwright. He went seven innings, allowing two earned runs and six strikeouts. The loss will go to Giancarlo Mejia. He went two-thirds of an inning allowing three hits, four earned runs, two walks, and one strikeout. I just saw the clip of the the Kenley Jansen catch. Oh, nice, right? Yeah, the comebacker? Yeah. Uh, that was a nice play. It was a nice play. All right. Uh, last perfect game. play to have on June 9th, right? <laughs> yeah. Very, Very nice. nice. Uh, last game of the day. Angels and Royals. This one scoring gets opened up in the bottom of the third with an Anthony Rendon double, two-run double. Hey, Tony. Hey, Tony. And the Angels' bats really come alive in this one. So they take a 2 nothing lead there. Bottom six, they add some more runs on a Jose Iglesias double and a Keen Wong uh, RBI single to make it 5-1. Angels go on to win six to one. They've won three in a row in seven of their last 10. Uh, actually playing some pretty good baseball right now. The win to, to Griffin Cannon, six and two thirds, five hits, one earned, and six strikeouts for him. The loss Fantastic start for Gris Griffin Recyclable. Griffin Recyclable with the win. The loss to Brad Keller, five and a third, eight hits, five earned. Four walks, four strikeouts. Uh, all right, LJ, we, we now uh, have like sort of a new segment to introduce, but not it's not really a new segment. It's just... It's not really a new segment. We just kind of divided it out. I mean, Brandon kind of alluded to this. We're making it official today because the PPP is a sacred space. It really is. And we probably shouldn't be bogging it down with both the good and the bad. So we now have divided this into the PPP as well as the not PPP. I will run through my PPP guy here first. It's pretty quick. It's pretty simple. And it's Jock Peterson, who was absolutely pimping around the bases today. If you haven't seen it, Jock Peterson goes yard and then, of course, decides to give Fernando Tatis a little taste of his own medicine. He does his little hop step, Euro step thing that Fernando Tatis does around third base. 
he makes sure to get that good and nice. And it was a, it was a pretty solid uh, imitation of Tatis there, you know, just trying to show a little dirt there back at him because, I mean, there's a lot of levels to that. You got this Cubs team who no one really expected much from, but really the wake-up call has been how they've played against San Diego over the past couple of weeks. And they've put themselves on the map by being able to beat good teams and the good team that they're dominating is San Diego. But you also have that added layer of all of this time for the last two years that Tatis has been in the league and has been all of the rage. Jock Peterson's been right there in LA. He's been playing a lot of games. These two guys certainly have had history playing against each other. So that just makes it all the sweeter. All right. My two... My first one is Giancarlo Stanton, two home runs tonight. Uh, you know, I, I'm i pretty sure you could find it from some episode. I have no idea which episode, but I said that Giancarlo Stanton uh, has three separate stretches during the season where he you just can't get him out. I have a feeling that we're starting one of those stretches uh, after what he did last night what he's doing tonight, just hitting the ball really well. Uh, Ooh, two big, home runs big prediction there. Yeah, you know, it, it, it is a big prediction, but it would be but in what line do you think with he's the Yankees. It would be in line with the Yankees also turning it around a little. So it's an optimistic prediction. Uh, but if you had to guess what his line is going to be tonight, what would you say? Oh, I, I would have said he would have got a hit or two. I wouldn't have said three for five with two homers, but I—I I mean, I—I—I uh—he was no. I mean, I mean, like tonight, tonight, as in June tenth. Oh, um, you know, I—I'm all right. I'll make a prediction right now. We'll go one for four with uh a double. Like you know, he's not gonna. I don't think he's gonna go yard again tonight. But these could. This could be one of those stretches where you're like, Stan has 10 homers in the last like 20 days or something. It's like, yeah, like he's just, he's just killing me. It's, but, it's hard to get guys out when the ball's no longer in the park. Yeah. Uh, the, the one that I really wanted to talk about though, Lance Lynn, uh, with the start that he made tonight, he has now made 12 starts this year, or excuse me, he's made 11 starts this year. And I believe in every start except for one, yes, he has allowed two earned runs or less. Uh, mm. Just incredible consistency that he's been putting up the entire year. I mean, his worst outing this year was five innings, four hits, three earned runs, two strikeouts, which is still not a terrible outing whatsoever. Gig, uh Five innings is very solid. I mean, nowadays, that, that's really all you ask out of your starters, five innings. So, yeah, Lance Lynn, absolutely, absolutely been killing it. All right. I believe next up we've got the not PPP. Brandon, I'm not sure if you have any, but I've got two and a rant. Or minor rant. I'll keep it under, like, a minute and a half. Um. First one here is the Arizona Diamondbacks. Today marks their 19th straight loss on the road. I feel like at that point you have to pick, you have to lock into one, right? 
Yeah, no, and <laughs> clearly not. Uh, they are. Uh, is it fair to say they're the worst team in the league right now? Yes, like, because I, I again I say, really, this was the story of that that team a couple of weeks ago when we were trying to find a story is the fact that nothing's going on. Like if the if you're if the best thing that's going on for you is questioning whether Madison Bumgarner is good or not, that is not a good sign for your franchise. They have they have no redeeming factor on this team. No, Cattell Marte is forgettable at best. He's about to get traded. It's like yeah, I mean, so again, again, once he's gone, there's no one statistically that's going to be great. But I mean, again, I'm I'm not sure. Carson if Kelly, baby, that's my all-star catcher. Hey. Easy on, easy on the Carson Kelly slander. Maybe it's just the Arizona thing, too, but I just feel like Cattell Marte is a very forgettable player as well. Like, if he – like, he's got great numbers, but, like, you would think he would get a little more love nationally, even though he's in a small market, if he's been consistently putting up these numbers and has been, like, passing the eye test as well. So I'm not the only one who's not seeing something that I'm just, like, Able to fawn over. No, certainly not. And you know, with the loss, that makes Arizona now nine and twenty-seven on the road this year. LJ Arizona against teams that are that have a a record greater than five hundred when they play them. Four and twenty-six on the season. Oh my lord. Four and twenty-six against teams that are above five hundred. Like if they're playing a team that is any that has showed that they are somewhat good at baseball, it is fair to assume that they're not winning. What I find more amusing there is the epic collapse. Because if I did the numbers correctly in my head, when this losing streak on the road started, they were above five hundred. They were nine and eight and proceeded to lose 19 straight games. Not only have they lost 19 straight on the road, but they had a stretch in there where they lost like 13 just straight up games in a row. Also, mm-hmm. like I I swear there I had an episode titled from just a couple weeks ago, dime like something about the the Diamondback struggling. And yeah, here we are. But I believe it's like one of the longest streaks, longest road losing streaks since the eighties or seventies. Now it's like a passing, passing a bunch of different records pretty much every day. Wow. Um, next up, we've got Ozzy Albies here. Ozzy Albies, do better, bud. You are a major leaguer. You've been playing this game for at minimum, what you'd say 15, 16 years now at his age. How on earth do you take yeah. that big a lead off of first base? For those of you who haven't seen the, this egregious base running play, which, I mean, yeah, ba- base running and, like, defense on the bases is, like, my biggest pet peeves. I know. It's it's obnoxious. However, I'm going to be obnoxious. There was a very lazy pop-up to Gene Segura, who kind of had to go a little bit back onto the grass for it. However, it was incredibly clear that he was coming down with that ball the entire way. Ozzy Albies proceeds to get almost halfway between the two bases 
And, like, it's a wonder he got thrown out at first. He easily gunned him out at first as he was trying to get back. You cannot take that big a risk, especially when you're in a one-run game. This is a one nothing game. Offense was at a premium at this point in time. And perhaps, I mean, again, I don't have that up here with me. I don't even remember what inning it was. But there is a chance that if he stays on and they get that extra at-bat there, another at-bat there, you could be talking about Luke Williams not winning that game in the ninth inning. That could have, at, at, at best, tied the game. I just tagged you in the, the, the video on Twitter of it. Um, yeah, so. But I just, why does he take a step forward when Segura is about to catch the ball? Like, he steps forward. He's, yep. He, he's, he it, must, it, like, that's either a, a really good deep by Gene Segura. Like, either Gene Segura completely tricked him, which I... I want to say is what happened. Let me see this again. You genuinely hope that he tricked him, but there's no way. For I don't know to- how he could trick him. He just stood there and put his glove. Like he, he didn't even try to deke. I, I don't even know. It's uh, terrible. All right. That's. It's actually awful. He should be ashamed of himself. However, uh, I'm going to go into another thing of people who should be ashamed of themselves. And it is at this point, the majority of the league. Why can't anyone tag correctly anymore? I have, I feel like I've yet to see a tag this year which has gotten the guy in the correct spot. And many of them have been either guys getting in safe because of stupid tags or guys almost getting in safe because of stupid tags. And this is across good, good defensive players, bad defensive players. It's a lack of fundamentals that I've seen on a ton of teams. And the majority of it comes down to just not slapping that tag down hard towards the ground and going for the legs or whatever's coming in first. So many of these guys keep reaching for the body or the shoulder or for some ridiculous reason. I've seen a couple of plays at third base this year where a guy's diving headfirst into the base. And for some reason, the guy decides to tag for the shoulder, but he goes for the back shoulder. So the swim move gets him just the arm just high enough meanwhile the left arm was always going to be the lead arm in like and where the ball placement was he was certainly capable of taking that first guy my final breaking point with this was Hunter Renfro had a couple great throws in this game one gunned a guy out the second one should have had him pretty clearly at the plate but Christian Vasquez goes and tries to tag for the body rather than the feet and if he'd gotten that that hard down on the feet, he gets he gets he gets the guy pretty decisively there. And it's those extra inches are what lose you games. It, it could cost a team a playoff spot depending on the situation. I just don't understand how so many of these types of fundamental pieces are getting left out of the major league game these days. Like it just seems very I'm sure it hasn't been this sudden. However, me noticing it has been very sudden over the past couple years. Like, I don't, I don't think that baseball has had the same issue with players knowing and remembering the fundamentals as other leagues have done. Where like the NBA sometimes can get a little shoddy because these guys just kind of have been doing whatever they want for so long out there. 
it's baseball is a very regimented game in that regard to the point where like you can keep a lot of those fundamentals like are just become muscle memory so how so many guys get by are getting by without them just drives me crazy well, i think you're you're over you're stating i mean it's it's it can be hard to put the tag in the exact spot i mean but why have i seen so many ones where it's just like ridiculous where you, like i just i, I don't I've, know i feel I've like it shouldn't be, be be ripping on mlb guys for, for fundamentals when like lj no, me no, no. watch a lot of baseball that is not mlb and like i don't know i feel like that just everything that the mlb players do fundamental wise is a thousand times better than anything we see. I don't think that there's a lack of fundamentals. It's just everything is happening at such a quicker speed. And when it when it is the MLB that we think it's a lack of fundamentals, when it's just it's just a lack of execution. Really, they have all the fundamentals that they need. Well, These I mean, guys, it's not like I, I and like with the NBA example, like yeah, like we see guys like walking back on a defense, but there isn't really like an equivalent to that in the MLB. Like you're always playing hard. You're always going like you can't lazily make a tag. Like I that like that's impossible to no, to- and I'm and I'm not saying it's lazily. I'm saying that the and I'm not trying to say that these guys are bad at defense. Again, I said there's good defensive players that are making these choices. What I'm saying is these split second decisions are things that can or at least logically you'd think should be able to kind of be tuned tuned back with practice. Like if you think about it, so much of those quick types of quick plays in baseball come down to muscle memory and reaction. And if you're really focused on that in your off time, you could improve there. I just, I don't know. I just, I've just been seeing a lot of it lately and it's kind of grating on me. Well, all right, let's get on to the leaderboards and then we will get out of here tonight. Uh, War for hitters. Gladdy Jr. still in the lead at three and a half. Ronald Acuna at 3.1. Nick Castellanos at three. For the pitchers, by the way, I'm I'm using Fangraphs War today. Uh, It is Jacob DeGrom in first at 3.2. Garrett Cole in second at three, and Zach Wheeler behind them at 2.7. As for some of the other offensive categories, home runs, it is still a two-way tie between Ronald Acuna Jr. and Vladdy Jr. at 18. RBIs is a three-way tie between Rafael Devers, Vladdy Jr., and Austin Meadows at 48. In terms of pitching, Shane Bieber for strikeouts at 122. Behind him, Tyler Glass now at 117. Garrett Cole at 113. And Mark Melanson has a three-save lead over the next guy, which is Alex Reyes. Mark Melanson at 19 saves. Uh, But, yeah, I think that is going to do it for today's show. Thank you for uh, listening to this episode of the MLB Daily Podcast. Uh, 
Be sure to check us out on Twitter, play our trivia game at MLB Daily Pod, win some merch. And uh, follow me and LJ on Twitter at LJ underscore VP underscore Lafiora at Brandon underscore Karam. Uh, yeah, we will see you tomorrow. See you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design.